Game Boys. Hey there, Internet. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Not Doing a Long Intro Game Boys podcast. I'm not in a great mood because the game we're talking about this week with me, Lux, and with me as always, it's Xenohort's Heartless inside of the Nobody from Zemna. It's Griffin Davis. Yeah, well, you know, that reference makes about as much sense as your normal ones that you used to set me up with. So thank you, Lux. Are we going to just have a fight about the opening every episode? (laughs) I'm just going to need, I'm going to need some, I'm going to need some positivity from you. I'm going to need you to keep an open mind here because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff to talk about, and and I need a mature response from you, right, you know, when I'm it comes a grown to this game. Boy, I'm a good um, normal Lux, boy. Lux, we're I'm in I'm at your job today, Lux. Yeah, it's weird. Um, it's a big I'm episode. In my house. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm one upping you in your own employment sphere. Yeah, it's um, right extremely now. uncomfortable for me. Uh, for those who don't know, we're at Wisecrack HQ today. It's an incredible setup. We had a whole team. Uh, help us setting up in here. Shouts out to uh, Joy on the mics out there. Uh, And Emily, I thought I heard Jacob too. Does Joy have the ability to talk? I think so, but she might have went away. No? Oh, it's Emily. Uh, Hey, Emily. Shouts out to Emily. Shouts out from Emily on the boards. Um, But anyways, yeah, it's it's a lot of pressure, Lux, because there's like a whole team, you know, uh, around this episode, and and a lot of people have been waiting for our take on this game. Yeah, and it's like you can take the idiot tech failures out of your house, but you can't take them out of the podcast, no matter where they go. (laughs) Oh, they're coming with us no matter Um, what. Yeah, yeah. I do feel like I like brought a curse into this like place of work. I like um, it truly. Before, this is not even a joke. I was worried that somehow this would happen. That like you'd go and something <laughs> would just go totally wrong and terrible. Lux, I have something to say before we get into all this stuff and our lovely guest. I went to the Overwatch Sports League this week uh, in Burbank, California, at the Blizzard Arena, which is the actual title of the location. You have to like Google Maps, oh, sick. Uh, and it was incredible. That's so sick. Was it fun watching it live? Like watching the game? Okay, well, it's really interesting watching it live because barely anyone is there because most people are streaming it. So like the people working there do not give a shit about the actual fans in the audience. Like there was times where the camera crew just like got right in front of my face and like made me move seats just because they were like filming something like they do not care That's awesome. about the audience. But at the same time, it's a really fun experience because it's only like 10 bucks and the stage is crazy. It's this like ceiling to floor giant screen that wraps around you and every level like it, the, the screen turns into the levels. So it's kind of like immersive and feels like you're there. Um, there's a giant circle on the ceiling that fills up red as like they take a control point. It was just like a really really fun time all in all um, and, then, and then I got Chick-fil-A rad. with the team after the after the after the game whoa yeah it was pretty sick I got Chick-fil-A with Boston Uprising uh, shouts out to them uh, they won a match uh, they're kind of underdogs it was fun to watch them win a match um, and overall I think it's a super fun thing I'll definitely be back for the finals all right Griffin so you have that story and you think oh there's no way Lux did something stupider and more nerd oriented than this this week <laughs> oh, damn and to it. that I say wrong out that I say incorrect <laughs> answer buzzer dot mp3 um, because I fucked around uh, got real stoned and bought the overwatch uh, jer- the jersey of uh, the Vancouver Titans overwatch team the player named slime you bought the jersey those are like $90 oh I'm <laughs> acutely aware of how much they cost <laughs> Um, uh, why did this player speak to you? the dumbest choice I've made in a long time. Yeah, why did it speak to you? <laughs> because his name is Slime. Oh, okay. It wasn't his play style or anything like that. Is his I, play style slimy? 
Um, I, I watched one of their games. They kicked the shit out of the team they played, but I couldn't really tell who was him. Yeah. Um, I don't really understand Overwatch. So this was a real waste of money on my end. That That is kind of the, the tough thing is that like it's cool shirt, it's a cool normal, shirt. All, you know, as we call them, T sports, you know, tradition sports, soccer, football, baseball, basketball. They have like an ingrained sense of history and understanding about the rules. But like just like trying to get people to just watch an Overwatch, like like you're unsure of like why things happen unless you play a lot of the game. Yeah. Um, so like that, it seems like it's a tough, it's a tough thing for them to surmount or to get other people involved. And yet somehow they tricked me into buying a jersey. Oh, I think the trick is fire more employees, Blizz. I think that's what you got to do never to the never the lesson um <laughs> okay uh let can we just give the games we're playing this week and get straight to the gristle because oh yeah let's say about this game you, know, you only on, played I'm, one game this week so let's just skip all that yeah yeah i'm champing at the bit um first of all <laughs> we've been rambling on nothing we have an incredible guest he's my boss and yours not really yours mostly mine but it's jared bauer <laughs> the founder and voice of wisecrack hey jared hey what's up dude thanks for having me on again yeah yes. thank you for coming back another return guest an official friend of the pod thank you for allowing us into your home like yeah, you know man, it seems absolutely. like it's a busy day here you know people were talking numbers when i got here well, you i know, just figured you know it, I, I mean as i've been learning doing more and more podcasts i really think that it makes a big difference the most amount of people you can get in one room it's the better sure which yeah. is which is something we never are able to do <laughs> we did we well, guests twice. Are always, yeah um but yeah welcome we love having guests back because we don't have to ask them about their lives anymore we can Great. just talk about video just games talk about video games uh, cool you're a busy guy we're busy people but we find ways to ruin our lives with video games yeah. do you find are you finding time right now to play any games yeah my girlfriend's a big gamer so gaming is mm-hmm. uh very much our primary mode of relaxation really sure so yeah, I have been. You met, what am I playing lately? What's going on? Uh, in the we just played the Resident Evil Two remake, which mm. is pretty awesome. Which we were talking about before. And this. I played it back in 1997 when sure. it first came out, and I remember mm. almost nothing about it. Oh, great! So it's been cool to get those nostalgia triggers every once in a while. But also, and I was explaining this a little bit before the podcast, I can't remember the last horror game I played. I feel like the last one might have been like Silent Hill 1 or something, Ooh, which we so, recently did with uh, with our with producer the, Haley. Yeah. Oh right, right. Yeah. So. I'm like, wow, maybe I should go back and get Resident Evil 7. There's a whole bunch of... There's a whole genre. I'm like, oh, wow, it's so cool. 7 is the Biohazard one, right? that, that, That one's fun. I think it does, doesn't stick the landing in the second half and becomes a little too action oriented. But the mm-hmm. first half is like incredibly cinematic and like crazy, kind of like Resident Evil 2. Yeah. But also, if you have access to VR, the Resident Evil 7 on VR is so good, but very oh. scary. <laughs> okay, where do you fall on VR? Because I get nauseous almost all the time from it. Yeah, it's crazy. I went to E3 a couple of years ago and they had all these E3 subs. This was E3 20, I want to say 2016. That was when VR was making a big splash. This is before any of the VR actually came out and then sure. kind of underwhelmed everybody. And yes. now it's kind of this industry that's like, oh my God, I don't know. Is this going to go the way of stereography and 3D movies and everyone's just going to forget about it? That's what we're in right now. But yeah. back then there were lines out the door for to try PSVR sure. to try I don't know if they had remember the Morpheus is that even a thing anymore the Xbox VR I don't even think it's a thing no I think they gave up on that uh Anyway, so I went to the line that was the shortest because I don't I'm not going to wait over an hour for anything. Sure. Uh, but <laughs> it, it was it, I don't even it was some kind of off brand third party VR. And I put on the headset and there was lag. 
and that really fucked me up yes. in terms of for mm-hmm. car sickness because I get car sickness anyway. Like yeah. I can't read in the car, I can't look down, or I get real fucked up, mm-hmm. and the lag just fucked me for hours. Yes. Hours it made me sick. But I have tried VR. Uh, Ryan, who uh, works here, he got a PlayStation VR headset, and I've tried it on. And I did not get sick, mm-hmm. but it's still not the most comfortable thing. No, it's not. And it's it's just not how I want to engage with like a game. So like aside from like the the technical issues about VR, I think what keeps on sucking about VR is like there's no IPs that like make it something you have to play. There's no Spyro. There's no Halo. Like every console was like like made and like cemented in history by like those IPs that made people have to buy the console, right? Like that's how it works. It's like you don't buy the hardware just to own the hardware. You buy the hardware to play that cool game. Yeah. And there's right. still no cool games. But I, I, was I still like the think that the hardware was like, you get the Oculus now and in like a decade, oh boy, it's going to be cool. Yeah, exactly. That sucks. I still think the hardware is a little underwhelming. I mean, yeah. when you put the headset on, you can still see the pixels of the screen mm-hmm. because it's so close to your eyes. Yeah. That takes me out of it. It just doesn't. I mean, for all the hype I was hearing, I was really expecting to put the thing on <laughs> and be and at least be able to see, OK, I can see how in 10 years the Matrix will be real. But I didn't even get that. I was just kind of like, oh, OK. Yeah. Am I even going to make it to the Matrix? That's what I'm worried about Me when I too. put on the Oculus. <laughs> yeah. it's, I feel like I'm just going to die right before. Yeah. This is maybe a, a, a kind of dumb guy complaining about VR, but my biggest issue with VR is that, like, you can always tell that you're wearing a helmet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, that, like, super takes me out of whatever I'm doing. Like, I like I liked the Resident Evil game VR a lot, but there were times where, like, like when I play Resident Evil on VR, my friend's PlayStation VR, like, it's fun, it's scary, but, like, I would never get as into it as I feel like I could if I didn't feel like a five-pound thing on my head. Right, yeah. It's actually, like, the, it's like it actually stops immersion in a certain way. Um, but and I found it way scarier to just play Biohazard uh, without VR. Um, but, okay, so, yeah, horror games. Resident Evil 2. Have you seen the mod that turns Mr. X into the tra- the train? I just saw it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> my girlfriend just texted that to me. It's incredible. And, yeah, that's super awesome. Yeah. I actually even went out and bought a I had had this really shitty sound system for years that I bought like 15 years ago with a million wires. I said, you know, fuck that. I'm going to go ahead and like spend 150 bucks on a sound bar. Mm -hmm. And I did it for Resident Evil 2 because I wanted to put down all the lights and make it extra (laughs) creepy. And it paid off, man. It's so it's super effective. There is something about that character, not the train, but Mr. X, though. Mm -hmm. That's like a really specific moment in video games, because I think everything about video games like you've the enemies are always conquerable. But like this enemy isn't. And that was kind of like a groundbreaking like feeling in a game of like helplessness yeah and that's the reason that i'm kind of excited to play it because like is there a way to stop that guy not that i know of and and those uh (laughs) those footsteps are haunting oh yeah Yeah. it's like it's just the right speed where it's like feels like you can just like it's so fast but yeah it's like it's always just a few feet away from you yeah which is just like a which is like how you how i think like they edit horror movies actually that that like feeling of like oh like get to the door oh you're not gonna make it yeah 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 it's also just and that's the thing like like much like horror movies horror games always have like very good sound Mm -hmm. um or require very good sound or they become bad games Mm-hmm. Um, because like you really have to like have a sense of distance and space, even they can't really fake it any other way except for like volume, mm-hmm. which is. Um, a but weird other, than, thing. other than that, uh, are there any games that you play together with your girlfriend that you found? Because we're always interested in in games that are fun to play with actual people in the same room. Like we love the Jackbox Party Pack games, like Quiplash mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, so like co op stuff. I'm trying to think what the last co op game we played. I feel like it wasn't that long ago, but I. 
We're also playing Octopath, but that's not co-op. Mm-hmm. But we're kind of just playing that in bed. We're not really doing that much on the couch. Yeah, I can't think of the last co-op game that I played. It's but tough. we do like those. Mm-hmm. But it is fun. You guys just enjoy simply just like watching each other play. A yeah, game. yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I think the last one might have been we got a SNES classic and we played all of Secret of Mana. Okay, yeah. oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, that was cool. Now, uh, before we get to the game, did you play the game today uh, with your girlfriend? And is she also a fan of? Uh... Yeah, actually, it's because of her primarily yeah. that we played it. She is a huge diehard Kingdom Hearts okay. fan. And, uh, I played the first two. She played the first two multiple times, uh-huh. and recently she replayed that. She replayed both of them before. Four, three came out. Sure, same. I did without too. me. Oh, I did. Too. So she <laughs> was, uh, she was really hyped up for it. Yeah. So that's why we both dived in immediately as soon as it came out. <laughs> well, we have so much to talk about with this specific game. So we just should probably skip to right getting into it. This guy has two pieces, <laughs> two long pieces of, of information printed out, and I've already told I him. Prepared. I told him no matter how much he's prepared, it's not going to help him. Uh, so let's get into a little bit of history about this game. <laughs> This is my favorite part of the podcast, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, not One the eating ass segment. Like this part. I'm extremely <laughs> not, that's surprised. Good too. <laughs> In 1999, Shinji Hashimoto, a producer at the Japanese studio Square, dreamed of creating a 3D game that could rival Mario, but knew only the popularity of Disney characters stood a chance against the Italian plumber. Everything changed one fateful day when Hashimoto found himself sharing an elevator with a Disney executive. In that 90-second elevator ride, he pitched a game where Final Fantasy characters shared worlds with Disney. As he stepped off the elevator, little did he know that one of the most unlikely partnerships in video games had just been born. An unlikely gamble, Kingdom Hearts released in 2002 to critical and commercial success. A blockbuster sequel in 2005 that expanded combat and tied up the narrative was a slam dunk. Square could do no wrong, and the fans anxiously awaited for the next main entry in the franchise. Little did they know, they would be waiting for the next 14 years. (laughs) Year after year, Kingdom Hearts fans were left in the lurch forced to play remasters and horrible handheld games that only confused the tenuous <laughs> plot. Many fans gave up hope that the game would ever be released. But on January 29th, 2019, Kingdom Hearts 3 was released for the PlayStation 4 to commercial success and mixed critical acclaim. Was it worth the wait? Did it add to the grand tapestry that preceded it? Or is it a hollow memory of a bygone era? Is Kingdom Hearts light or is it darkness? This week, the Game Boys play a game that should have come out in 2007. It's Kingdom Hearts 3. So good. That was a very good one, Griffin. Um, It felt like you brought some extra emotion to that one. Well, it's It's an emotional game, and I almost wish we weren't doing this one in a place of business, because I'll probably cry multiple times during this episode. No one's judging. Okay, good. (laughs) Can we we turn the blinds on this window right here? (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is an emotional game. Like I said, I played this game when I was 10. We've already done Kingdom Hearts 2. You know, I waited 14 years for this game to come out, Uh, and and so it's just, it's a very complicated emotional game for me. The part that I loved about this episode is that I forced Lux to play it and I just got text this entire week of frustration. Mm. Right. Okay, so here's let me so to part the kimono for a second on how this episode happened is I was making a video for the wrestling show Party World Wrestling that I do and I messaged Jared because of his uh melodious tones and I was like, hey could you do some voiceover for our video? And he said, Yeah, but I also want to come on the show to talk about Kingdom Hearts. Uh, and so I messaged Griffin who said, that sounds great. Um, but then Jared had mentioned that he'd mostly been gotten through it. And then Griffin had beaten it and I hadn't played the new one at all. 
So I was like, all right, I guess I got to burn through this game. And so over the past four, I beat the game. We're recording on a Monday. I played this game the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday before this. Which is like a terrible way to play any game, I think, <laughs> but especially a game that you don't like. Except that, <laughs> like I said earlier, before the pod started, I play there, like I'll beat a hundred hour RPG in like a week. And yeah, you're, right. you're actually good at binging things. Actually, I forgot that you can watch like, a TV show in like two yeah, hours. I love that shit. Um, <laughs> this game, I didn't enjoy as much as uh, say Trails of Gold Steel Two. <sighs> sure, there's there's it's a complicated like game where there's just like so many elements of it uh, require us to talk about. Uh, but first, I think we should try to talk about the story of this game a little bit. Or where does I'm actually curious, I actually was not going paper? to talk about it at all. I was actually going, I was I was actually going to say, you know what? I could complain about the story yeah. all day. But let mm -hmm. me just say the reason why I wanted to talk about this yes. game is because I listened to the pod uh -huh. and Griffin's excitement for Kingdom Hearts very much <laughs> parallels my girlfriend's. <laughs> and even she hated this game. Yes. So I kind of wanted to bring our grievances to see what would Griffin think or how does Griffin address these things since he too, similar to my girlfriend, went into this game with hopeful, wide, bright eyes. I think I think I have a very parallel narrative to your girlfriend. Who, what's, her, what's her name? I've met her, her before. Her name is Thea. To Thea. Thea, yeah. We have probably a very similar parallel journey. Yeah, because the the hype was so real. The, the first two games, it's frustrating because it's like when defending the Kingdom Hearts franchise, there's people that just don't get it or just like want to want to crap on something that they think is like emotional or lame. But like the first two games have legitimately clear ish for a fantasy <laughs> game narratives that are satisfying and self-contained and the combat is fun and there is good moments within it. Kingdom Hearts 3 feels like a parody of the franchise. It, it, it feels like they just like fundamentally are just like just the magic isn't there anymore. And one of the big reasons is because it's different production teams. Mm. The production team that made one and two did not make this game. Game. The production team that made the shitty handheld games are the ones that made this game. And that's why it feels sort of like a like a spin-off or like a parody. Like there's something there to the integrity Wait, of it. Wait, but wasn't Tetsuya Nomura got pulled off Final Fantasy 15 yes. to work on this and he squares Golden Boy? It's still the same director. But I argue that a director can only do so much and that there is like something to having like the team that made a game. Sure, definitely. I mean, it's still his fault. It's still super his fault. Um, well, yeah. okay, so uh, part of the reason... Yeah, so I'm I'm hard I'm 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 a little disappointed with this game. I went into the first couple hours and it seemed like the magic was back, but like the second half of this game is just like an insult uh, to part everything of, I love oh, about these games. A big part of the reason this game doesn't work, and we can talk more about this in certain ways, is that like from the jump, all the connections and sort of logic of the Kingdom Hearts universe has been extremely tenuous. Like it never once was like made a hundred percent sense. But see, um, I disagree with that. I think that uh, I think after Kingdom Hearts two, that's what happened. They started like expanding with no, these side games and like confusing even, even the narrative. Two, more. Even one and two have like a re like a little bit of a contrived backstory and like the connections between the Square Enix guys and the Disney people is sort of arbitrary <laughs> and it's never like. It, I mean, you can't take like two pre existing IPs, smash them together, and pretend like the story is entirely organic. Um. <laughs> because it, it doesn't make any sense. You um, can if the music slaps. <laughs> no, you can't, even though the music slaps, I think is the real takeaway here. But so but the problem is that when it has that kind of stuff, like that kind of strain on it, it makes the things that don't make sense about it, like become more obvious. For instance, I played the first two. It wasn't until this game that I realized like little things that are super dumb, like 
the nobodies are hearts with or are bodies without hearts, and the heartlesses are hearts with no bodies. Yeah, because you're th- that's like the classic like soul split thing. But that doesn't make any sense. The nobodies <laughs> are bo- are bodies without hearts, and the heartlesses are hearts without bodies. So I think if you get into like the nitty gritty of like those fantasy things, you can pick apart. I think lots of like but fantasy. This isn't like a nitty gritty. One thing is a body called way. a nobody, Griffin. That's not like, that's what, just, like lazy why, and I, stupid. I I, the, the level of engagement that Lux is doing with the narrative yeah. right now, I couldn't do that without pulling yeah. my hair out. I, yeah. I actually the last t- quarter of the game. I, I feel bad doing this, but I made yeah. my girlfriend skip the cutscenes because I couldn't handle it anymore. They're long. <laughs> they're they're so really painful. Long. Yeah. I, none, neither one of us had any idea what was going on. Yeah. I, you know, I'm sorry that we didn't play. What is it? Eight games over nine consoles. <laughs> no, wait, no. I actually have it written down. It's how many games over how many consoles? It's eight games over seven consoles yeah. that you would have to have to know what's going on. Yeah, and and, and even then, I've watched hours hours of YouTube videos explaining the story and I was still so confused in this game like for that last quarter like they it feels like the last part of this game is like they're, they're talking about all these things that if you haven't if you've only played the first two you don't understand at all it's all like paying off narratives from three Nintendo 3DS games that like it's like when you're at a party and like everyone's talking about a friend you haven't met it's just like, well, I can't, yeah. I can't engage in this conversation. It's like you're paying, like all these cinematics are about shit. I just have no idea. But you know that this friend that they're talking about sucks, even <laughs> though you've never met them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. They're all stories yeah. where someone's like, like a train wreck. man, Brad came to this party and he like threw a table through a window. It was so cool. And you're just like, <laughs> I don't want to meet that guy at all. But everyone's so happy. Like this game. I don't know. One thing about this game, even yet, yeah, like leaving the story aside, and I still think that the nobody's having bodies and the heartless is having hearts is very crazy. I feel like that should be a much bigger <laughs> deal. Um, but like the even getting away from all of like the narrative stuff, just like who is this game for anymore? Who is Kingdom Hearts three for? It's for people our age, Lux. It's for people that played the originals. It's like it's but not, it's like for, not like for people our age. The mechanics are for babies, and like the narrative's insane. Yeah. So I guess if you're talking about mechanics, we got to ask a question that we ask every guest: How do them sticks feel? That's probably the best part of the game, to be honest. Uh, the game, the the combat seems like they did spend time on it. I'm less of a fan of what was the one in the second one. It was like the counter system or something like that. You press that, triangle. Right now in this game, every combat or every fight is the same because you just mash X or whatever mm-hmm. the attack button is, then something is going to come up with triangle, hit mm-hmm. triangle, and it's just see some sort of spectacle, yeah. and then repeat. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to convince me that a lot of work was put into this game, which I have doubts about, I think a lot of work, <laughs> I think there was a lot of work for the legal team. And that's actually a lot of the stuff I, I want, I brought in. Oh yeah. Cause the, I, the Pixar stuff. Yeah. Um, well, look, I have a whole list of grievances. I don't know how you guys no, want no, to get through this, but uh, you just know. start. Just start. Okay. Yeah, what if we just take Jared's right. list from the top and we'll spin off okay. ones that relate right. to my and guys, problems? And if you guys want me to go elsewhere. All right. So my first <laughs> grievance, which I think everyone can get on board with. What the fuck? No Final Fantasy characters? Zero? Yeah. Well, that's well, insane. Well, well, no Cloud. No Sephiroth. No Sephiroth final battle. Like that's like there the are secret th- boss at least. Secret boss. Yeah. There yeah. are some things that in Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 that they established as what canon. I. Yeah. Canon. Yeah. Rituals, like things that make a Kingdom Hearts game a Kingdom Hearts game. Can you imagine if there was no Chuckabos in a Final Fantasy game? Or or if in Kingdom Hearts 3, they did not return to the Nightmare Before Christmas world? Yeah. <laughs> they do it in game one. They do it in game two. And you don't do Nightmare Before Christmas again? Come on. Like, that's the narrative that I want to pay off. Not some random Roxas clone, uh, nominee, Zion, Zigbar, <laughs> secret ending, 
Xehanort. Uh, I want to. Nice, also, I want to just to go back, see Jack Skellington a little bit. I don't know. Like, yeah. So no Final Fantasy. When I think of fun, when I think yeah. of Kingdom Hearts, I mean to me it the is mashup. Final Fantasy plus Disney. It's and, the and the new characters are kind of the mm-hmm. the new IP that are kind of a result of the birth of those two. But without any Final Fantasy characters, mm-hmm. that's like half the identity is just gone for me. Yeah. Where is uh, all of our characters from Traverse Town? That's right. Uh, we got Leon, Cipher, Vivi, yeah. Fujin, and Raijin. Sets her from Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we all the Final Fantasy VII characters, Aerith, uh, they were all in Kingdom Hearts One. Yeah, and now they're not there. You, and I wonder if it's a legal with... thing. Do you think it's a legal thing? Why? Why would it be a legal thing? It's the same company. It's you never know though. We're to be, yeah, if we're to believe that the game was primarily made by Square, you would think that they wouldn't have to have big fights with their own legal department for their own IP. But I think there was some. Uh, I guess I'll get into the the IP thing next. But well, first of all, the only Disney characters you fight in this are very few and far between. In one and two, you fought a Disney villain in every level. Yes. And we're talking about premium IP. Yeah. Jafar, Jafar. Scar's ghost, the hyenas from Lion King. Uh, you even fight Beast for a little bit when he gets possessed. Yeah. Hades, Ursula, Oogie Boogie, Pete. In this game, you only fight a Disney character three times, and they are the bottom of the barrel of Disney IP. So at the beginning in Olympus, you fight the Titans. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember those fucking things. But more specifically, you fight the lesser known Titan, the Tornado Titan. <laughs> yeah. Because the Tornado Titan is very silly, because the other Titans are scary, but the Tornado is Titan is just a tornado with eyes. And isn't it yeah. weird how it's the way they frame silly. this is like a very small thing, but it's weird how the way they frame the eyes on the Tornado Titan make it look like he has glasses. <laughs> like he looks like a nerd. <laughs> yeah, so those yeah. are the first ones. Okay. So the snowman in Frozen, oh who is in God. the game more than he's in the movie. He's yeah. in the movie for like a minute. I forgot about that character existed. Me too. And then he's the biggest part of that thing. And then the best the best combat or the best fight in the game where you actually fight a Disney character is you fight Davy Jones, who, by the way, it's, who the fuck cares about Pirates 3? It's literally the worst one. It's an honor to call Davy Jones a, a Disney character. He's blushing at that. He's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm exactly. a part of Disney. Yeah, exactly. Davy Jones is a myth for Pirates. For regular uh, ones, w- not even of the Caribbean. I'm certainly going to get you off track a million times, but everything you say reminds me of something. Uh, the one character ad that I did appreciate is in the Pirates of the Caribbean world, they added the Kraken, even though the Kraken's dead in Pirates 3. They're like, oh, fuck nice. it, we love the Kraken. Nice. Like, the Kraken's back. Yeah, you got to have the Kraken. Uh, but yeah, so like a lack of a lack of just engaging, uh, a lack of like picking the people we want to play with in Disney stuff. Yeah, and then I think the most egregious element of this, of what seems like Disney lawyers just pouring over over this and mm-hmm. making it really sterile is the frozen world. Mm-hmm. The frozen world, you never fight nor fight with Elsa. Yeah, what? And you are a pure spectator to the plot. You're literally <laughs> standing on the sidelines while you watch the plot of Frozen unfold. Sometimes literally watching cutscenes that are seemingly just they took a clip from the movie, downgraded it graphically a little bit, and just put it in the game. They oh, yeah, literally the, the, recreated the, the entire Let It Go let it song. Yeah, the, the same engine. with thing. cutaways to your characters just like looking at them. By just yeah. looking at it. <laughs> so it feels like you're playing through some super corporate, untouchable piece of litigious IP that uh-huh. sells enough backpacks with Elsa's face on them to equal the GDP of most countries, <laughs> which is the case. And it just seems like Disney was like, look, uh, we just don't want anything to happen that could possibly compromise a single backpack sold. So you can't actually engage with the narrative of Frozen. You can only watch it happen. 
Exactly. Because guess what? In a few months, Frozen 2's coming out. Right. Like it's still it's still a franchise that they care a lot about. And when they made Kingdom Hearts 1, they were playing with like Alice in Wonderland and like older stuff that like to Disney felt like old enough that, it, you know, it didn't matter as much. But like when they made these games, like they had to interact with the team that made Big Hero 6. They had to like talk to the lawyers behind Frozen and Tangled and shit. And that, that actually Tetsu said, the director Tetsu, that that slowed them down a lot. When, when developing stuff and like making creative choices. That's what it feels like. It feels like lawyers gave notes. They had to re-scrap it, scrap everything, start it again, but not a lot of time was really spent in making a, a game that feels complete or yeah. that was what the, I, I have a very hard time believing that Tetsuya Nomura is like, oh, this is my vision. This is what I always wanted it to be. I have a hard time believing that. Mm-hmm. There's well, actually a, an article on IGN that was like the pros and cons of working with Disney. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any of you guys saw that, but even that article looked like it was written very meticulously by a PR firm. I have a <laughs> feeling that the real story of Disney being much more bossy with their IP is not told mm-hmm. absolutely yeah because there yeah i mean there's other things like um like i, I think I, it, it must have been a corporate mandate to say that if you are going to be showing these movies you just have to show the plot of the movies we can't do anything new because even tangled makes no sense unless you've seen the movie right they skip key plot points to where it would be nonsensical unless you had pretty much just watched the movie mm-hmm. um yeah i was lucky and then, i played through that world well um super producer Haley was at my house and she explained what was happening yeah and it just sucks i've never seen that movie and it was very confusing it sucks because they they know how to do they know how to do this trick they've done this trick before of of bringing the Kingdom Hearts characters into a world like Tarzan or something like that and making it like feel like, okay, we're kind of experiencing the story, but like the characters are also learning their own thing in relation to that story. Like it works with a lot of the older games. And this again, just feels like a parody of that experience. Like it just like someone just like copy pasted it instead of like thinking about how they'd work together. I think the only one that gets even slightly close is Toy Story. Yeah. Like that's definitely the best one. Yeah. Toy Story is by far the the best world. Because you know, like the toys learn something about being toy. And that relates a little bit to maybe Sora's journey, which is also just super confusing. And I have no idea what he's trying to do in this game. Okay, what's next on this list, baby? So uh, we'll just go back to go to Pirate's World. So who wants to watch a shittier looking (laughs) Uncanny Valley rendition of the worst Pirates movie in which you play through the most nonsensical part of the whole series in an already nonsensical game? Mm hmm. Yeah. And most of the and Pirates 3 Whirlpool, as I'm, it's called. Yeah. Or <laughs> Pirates 3 finding 300 crabs to progress the story. The worst oh moment in the my game. my God. The cry <laughs> flew into a rage. Like this game, because this game is many games. Many, yeah. This so game many, is many games. Many, 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 many games that are unskippable. Uh, like there's that point in Frozen where you got to find Olaf's body and his, the snow just looks like snow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the crabs, it's like there's there's just moments where it's just like, oh, my God, why did you guys include this part in the game? Yeah. Or well, even the, the, then they have the you're basically playing Assassin's Creed Black Flag, but yeah. you have to grind to even make it. And it's super tedious and <laughs> super annoying right, that's and totally unnecessary. Crazy about Pirate's World is that the boat battles I thought were pretty fun. I like doing boat battles. I enjoyed that part of it, but everything else was so miserable. Mm-hmm. 
And it was just like, again, you've displayed the ability to make a fun video game and chosen not to. And again, I love this idea of like, we're going to take the most confusing narrative of the Pirates franchise and then combine it with the most confusing narrative of Kingdom Hearts and just turn it into just a total shit show. Um, but that's not even like the the one that pissed me off the most. Like, I would say that like Big Hero 6 really bugged me. Mm-hmm. Like the two Bayamax storyline thing was just like confusing. Oh, makes no sense. That that was, you know, I, I once again, I planned on coming to this podcast and saying, you know, Griffin, I'm not Sorry. even going to touch the story, <laughs> but that was real weird. So there's this part where you're sad that Baymax died and then the whole story was built upon the premise that his microchip is his heart and that by killing the microchip, you're killing him. Yeah. Then he dies and it immediately cuts to him rebuilt and everyone's happy. End of end of the world, end of Big Hero 6 world. So you're undercutting the whole message of that world and it's the worst dramatization ever. It's really, you know, and what I the, the thing I want to ask you guys is like this from what I saw on the Internet, this game was getting like solid 8.5s across the board. What the fuck were people thinking? It feels yeah. like people yeah. were writing I mean, reviews after Four World. Like that could be true. After Four World, could be very I could true. have been convinced the game could be fun. It hadn't like broken me yet that this was day one. Yeah. I, and I and I, one thing, Square, if you're listening right now, give us fans what we want. Final Fantasy Advent Children 2, please. <laughs> exactly. And release it only for the PSP. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Griffin's what's the next only way Griffin watches movies anymore. Well, one, one other thing about Big Hero 6 yeah. World is uh, you have to race through hoops like I'm fucking playing Superman 64. You it know, it reminded has that me of scary that so feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it was Shouts so out to traumatic. friend of Wilson Smith's yeah, episode Wilson Superman Smith, 64. I hated that. So, another thing. Monsters Inc. World. Ugh. So it blows my fucking mind that they didn't use the creative conceit of the doors at all. You don't go through doors. To go to different places. You literally are in an, a warehouse. Yeah. A warehouse. The most uninteresting oh. setting of any Disney place don't ever. Worry. You hold on to doors all the time. You just never open them. Yeah. You're near <laughs> doors You're in a, a warehouse for a couple hours. Also, your sword is a key. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and you don't open any doors. Nothing is done with that. That was horribly depressing for me. And now that me. I think of it, guys... We don't seal keyholes in this game. We do not. Every Okay, in the first game, the, the narrative, you seal the keyholes to stop the Heartless from coming in and destroying the world. In Kingdom Hearts 2, they have an arbitrary reason why you're sealing keyholes. Kingdom Hearts 3, they give up on it. So you just have a giant key that you never do the epic sealing hole moment. It's like epic, that's like an iconic moment in these games. Yeah. You don't seal any holes. This is the thing, man. People talk about, like, so in movies, people talk about, like, bad movies are sort of hitting the beats of, like, the genre with no motivation. Right. And like, Mm -hmm. that's what this game is. But like to an egregious extent where like literally the beats of this genre just sort of happen without anything else happening. Yeah. Um, Like, for instance, the moment I'm okay. So there are a lot of parts and I'll tell you when they happen where I yelled at my television. But the one (laughs) where I most yelled at it um, was at the end. So the end, you're in the Keyblade graveyard and you're fighting all the different versions of Xenohort. Doesn't matter. Um, but for whatever reason, you have to like go back and save your friends from a lich and then go back in time. And so it's one of those things like, okay, you go back in time. And obviously it's the kind of story where you go back in time and then you do things a little bit differently. And that saves the day. That's not what happens. Instead, you go back in time. Everything plays out exactly the same, except this time a random other guy shows up and saves the day. Like, it's it's your characters don't do anything like shit just happens around you in this game and it sucks. Yeah. Um, but we I have to I have to write this ship a little bit because there is achievements in this game. There are moments that are really beautiful, like 
there are some worlds that look really cool at times. I love the Toy Story world. And I think it goes back to a word that you used earlier, spectacle, that there are spectacle moments in this game. And if it was like if, if like they translate that into a game in the future where they like they have the spectacle, but they also make it challenging and have a narrative that makes sense. Like, I think that could be a really cool game. Like there are good game parts in here. There are moments where I'm shocked the game doesn't crash from how many things are happening on yeah. the screen. Yeah. Like like so many games can have like frame rate and stutter problems. This game, you will like ride on a magic roller coaster that appears out of a portal, crash through a hundred enemies with lightning and sparks flying, and it doesn't stop a beat for a second. Yeah. That's impressive. That's yeah. impressive. It's that's impressive. Im- there's impressive. There's moments where undoubtedly is, I haven't seen anything like that before. But they don't even usually use that incredible power to cool ends. Like I always I know. Go, I always go I'm back saying. to like a- the Pegasus power you can use. Yeah. Um, where you some of the Pegasus and then the camera becomes reversed and you can't see anything <laughs> and you're just shooting lightning at God knows what crashing into anything around you. And it's right. like, so the, yeah, there's no the consideration for like how to play the game. Not, not like the application, like the application sucks because uh, Kingdom in Kingdom Hearts one and two, you unlock powers over time. You grow stronger. Like it, there are a big achievement, like, like gaining the fire spell or the cure spell in Kingdom Hearts one is a big deal yeah. and changes like how you play uh, in this game. All the powers you have from like level one. Yeah. Why? Why? Just why? It's like a basic video game yeah. thing that you you would like each world. What if each world you unlocked one of the new attraction supers? Right. right. And like a end. new power that's so, somehow related to what you learn or do in that world. So as opposed to that, it's like the, these spectacle moments, they, they don't feel like earned and you do get tired of them and do feel like you end up are. It feels like you're not playing whenever you hit triangle. It feels like you're just like sitting back and like watching the animation happen. Um, right. And it's like the so and again, it's like a again, like I, I'm starting to keep going back to this dumb narrative, but just like the way they structure the game versus the mechanics, like the ludology of this game is bullshit. Um, (laughs) like the fucking, the, they make a point in the game constantly at the beginning to be like, Hey, Sora, you fell asleep and forgot most of your powers. Yeah. You just have all your powers except for like this one that they don't explain what it is really until the end. Yeah. What do you think guys is the power of waking? Did anyone figure that out? Isn't it the power to bring back lost hearts or something? Uh, once again, I, I started skipping (laughs) the cutscenes toward the end. I really just like, couldn't care less. Like Mm -hmm. couldn't. Yeah. But more to what Lux is saying. Yeah. Most of the game, it's Sora, Donald and Goofy openly and shamelessly admitting that they don't know what they're doing or why they're doing it. It's insane. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for them to go to any of the Disney worlds other than Olympus because even at the end of Kingdom Hearts 2 it's oh I gotta go to Olympus to train with Hercules that makes sense and then at that point it's literally there's no reason it's wild yeah there's there's like quite like there's a like a funny scene on the pirates boat they're tied to the mast and they're like Goofy's like what are we doing here again and he's like I don't know there's a scene where someone's trying to figure out what's happening and the characters fall asleep listening do you guys remember that scene Yeah. someone's on the computer and he talks for so long that legitimately the characters in the game fall asleep I do remember that and then like wake back up again yeah the most (laughs) infuriating the most infuriating bit of those like like that's so again you know how like when someone's a shithole and they say like, I know I'm a piece of shit, but I'm self-aware as though it's an excuse and not like a further indictment of them as a person. Um, that's what this game is constantly. It's like mm-hmm. always like winking at how like, we know it's a little confusing and weird. Right. But it's like, yeah, but you're being too confusing and weird for that to be a funny joke. It's just shitty of you. Yeah. I don't think this game is nearly self-aware enough. Like there are only like small hints of it that are kind of just awkward, but you never really get the sense that, it's self-aware enough to the point where 
even if you don't understand what's happening on the happening in the narrative that they're providing you with some something that you can grab onto, any kind of self-awareness that you can grab onto. I think you just kind of drown in the nonsense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you basically do. I mean, another one of those yelling at my TV moments was um, there's a part at the end after you do the Keyblade Graveyard, you fight all the different shapes of Xena Hort. God, the proper nouns in this game are the worst. Um, You fight (laughs) off Xena. I like when they say Keyblade and the subtitle is an X. What? Oh, yeah. I don't know why they do that. Yeah, it's weird. But you so you fight off all the forces of Xenohort. And then after you fight each one, there's like cutscenes where like the relevant side game characters talk to their relevant side game end bosses about like their arcs or whatever. Um, And at the end of that, everyone meets back up again. And someone's like, what took you guys so long? And then one of the guys goes, we just had to wrap a couple things up really quick. And it's just like a couple things. You didn't have to. This is an unnecessary part of the game. Two, that wasn't really quick. Three, just fuck you forever. Yeah, Axel says, oh, we had to wrap up a few loose threads or something like that. I'm like, fuck you so much. That was two Um, hours of my fucking, like, this is, Jared, you might remember this from one time at, I was complaining in in the work chat about how that Netflix show Take Hunter has no respect for its audience's time. Um, (laughs) This game is like that X a fucking million. Like oh, it yeah, does not yeah. give a shit about the people playing it or like their time mm-hmm. or anything. And it's like yeah, yeah. abrasively inaccessible to people who haven't played eight games over seven consoles. And that's and why I say, like, who is this fucking for? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I really think nobody would have cared if you tossed it all out, uh, all out the window and just told a good, simple story. And to me, the sad thing here is this it's, it's reasons like this that why the JRPG is dying because why aren't you even Mass Effect three, which is supposedly like one of the most serialized narratives? Now, I haven't played it. I know that Lux is an expert. So, I mean, I'll defer to him 100 percent whether what I'm saying is accurate or not. But even in Mass Effect three, if you've never played a Mass Effect game, you could get way more out of the story and the oh. characters starting oh, yeah. than well, in this one. It starts off. Mass Effect three starts off with like a getting the gang back together sequence. Right. So like once you have one of those, you're like, OK, I basically get what's going on. Here we go. Whereas. <laughs> I think Mass Effect 3 should have started with like some early scenes of Mass Effect and then it goes Mass Effect (laughs) 2.9 and then we start Mass Effect 3. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, I just, yeah. I'm sorry that this is really just turning into a whole podcast of shitting on this game. No, I mean, that's that's why I said I was emotionally preparing for this. Yeah. Because it sucks because I like, what I hate most big picture is that this just gives fuel for the haters about the original 2. It like Mm. makes the original 2 look bad in comparison like like everything that every negative review or critique about the Kingdom Hearts franchise is like given like concrete like like you like oh we were right the whole time because all their criticisms are clear as day in three yeah clear as day right. it's just like ah oh, crap like that's what I was getting at before like that one and two have these like are able to like through like the fun of the world and some good mechanics and some like okay pretty clear storytelling like you're able to hold up some pretty tenuous like audience arrangements with like believability and understanding what's going on. Um, and three just like kicks that shit out the window and is just like the worst possible version of like what one and two do wrong. It's like if you just did like a backflip, but no one saw it and you like demand like no and you insist that you did it, but then you can't do it again. <laughs> and then everyone turns their head and you face plant. Yeah. Yeah. It's ex- that's exactly what it is. And then and that's the one they film. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good God. We talk about Donald's voice because yeah. I yeah. kind of think that the, the guttural oh, noises coming out of his beak in this one have tipped over the line into the realm of just disgusting. <laughs> Also, it's like there's a new DuckTales show. Why didn't they just get the Donald and kids from that? Like, why do they he have is these unintelligible bad sounding- in this? Yeah. 
And I, but I forget, was he? It's like it's it's so uh, it's so like wow, it's jarring. That's like, what does he normally sound like? Can you? I mean, sh- it's like that, but not quite as. You need subtitles. Oh, you need for, subtitles, like, and I feel like Donald. I can just see the phlegm. It's just <laughs> gross. It's just gross. Yeah, it's a nasty, nasty voice for a gross, horrible duck. Yeah, and I think just in, on a crew level, the early Kingdom Hearts games like actually had t- tiny story moments between the trio. Like, like we care about like the friendship between Donald, Sora, and Goofy, and in this one, they're all just standing next to each other. Yeah, you know. And I really wish that. Especially for a series that is all about friendship and stuff like that, that especially if your game has had 14 years in development, Mm -hmm. I would hope that the combat would incorporate Donald and Goofy a little bit more. I'm thinking about something like, you know, God of War with Atreus. Yeah. That was, you know, Mm -hmm. it not only helped the narrative because you were in a sense controlling Atreus and his... um, the things he brought to the battle were apparent and he was essential and you missed him mm-hmm. when he was gone or when yeah. he was unable to fight. In this game, they really didn't take it to the next level at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A real missed opportunity. Yeah, I didn't yeah. really keep track of Donald and Goofy's health at all because I didn't really know what they were doing. <laughs> can they die? Uh, oh. No. No one can die. Yeah. Uh, the, here's, I, I wanna, I'm trying to think of other things that I did enjoy about this game so I can not yeah, well, I jump a, off a cliff after this podcast. Like, I, there are a couple things I liked about it. Yeah, there's one thing I want to mention, and I'll let you talk after it, Lux, is like, like there's like these, like, there's these tiny flourishes in the game in certain levels, like in the Tangled world, like where you can do that little dance sequence. That was just like fun. It wasn't yeah. hard, but it was just like, oh, like this is a neat little touch. Like I'm engaging with this movie. It's fun and it looks good. And yeah. there, there's like moments where like I'm frozen. Oh, I can ride on a snowball. Like there was like fun things where like, they, were, they were trying in these bits and ways. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, okay. As I was writing the game, I was writing down things I liked and didn't like and kept having to cross things I liked off of the list because like they kept <laughs> ruining them. Um, but the three things that I stayed on the list the whole time were, as mentioned earlier, the boat fighting. Um, I like doing that. I yeah. really liked the Gundams <laughs> and the Gundam mechanics of the Toy Story world. They were fun, but uh, if I had to play it the whole game, I would get no, annoyed. I don't think it's a whole game, but I think that it's just like those two. What was frustrating about those things to me is that those two zones have indicated that like they could sit down and think of a mechanical distinction between like this zone and that zone to make them feel different and a little more like exciting. Yeah. And they did it for like two out of eight. Um, And that's infuriating. And the last thing I liked is I really liked the uh, the keyblade that you get from uh, the Monsters Inc. world where you can turn into Kratos from God of War for a little bit and Mm. use claws because it's just a really fun way to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those were like, the three things actually, I enjoyed all those about this game. Are pretty cool. Yeah, they're cool, and and I just wish that they could, like could like contextualize the powers with like challenges that like met those powers. Mm-hmm. Like it just you just bowl through everything. Mm-hmm. I literally didn't block once in the game. I didn't even know you could block until you just said that. Yeah, you can block in the game, and I didn't need to. Yeah. I just kept hitting them and healing myself instead. Yeah, and so it's like uh, there's like if they like if they took what they did right from this game, which is like the spectacle, like the visuals and of certain worlds and and that and like the combat is fun if you if you make the next final fantasy game be a hack and slash that's hoppy and fly around but like give me like challenges for that combat that's a great game like i think that's a really good game i'd love to play listen to griffin make the next final fantasy game turn based um anyways (laughs) (laughs) that that's like a political uh like statement to rally around (laughs) has another final fantasy game even been announced it's going to be the next one that coming out will be the remake of seven. Oh, which is going to be what? 2024 or something. I think it'll be 2020. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I think we're close. To is, that, that one. is that confirmed or you're just Griffin, speculating? Griffin's I'm just hoping. I'm, 
I'm speculating, but also they've they've claimed that it's they're doing like a part one, part two. Yeah. Uh, so like they'll probably like which means that I think they're like cutting production and like, you know, OK, this is how much of the game we're going to make and ship and then we're going to finish the second half. Yeah, probably. I, I'm I, just I, waiting I, for fucking Fire Emblem and for Trails of the Trails, Trails in the Sky well, part Lux, three is coming soon. Isn't your attitude about Final Fantasy VII Remake just I'll believe it when I see it? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I kind of agree. And I just think that what with all the things happening with fan culture these days, especially in this last year, but also with the whole Blizzard thing and the Fallout 76 thing. Mm-hmm. If I were Square, I'd be like, do we really want to release another Final Fantasy 7 game? I mean, just because of the nature of nostalgia, no matter how good it is, people mm-hmm. are going to be disappointed. The The fans are going to find a way to rage. And with all the harm that the whole Blizzard thing did to their company and Square is not in a position where they can take hits like that to their stock. I don't know what See, what. Maybe it'll sell well, but I think for long term, it's probably not a very good idea. See, I actually think Final Fantasy VII is uniquely positioned to make that a good idea because I think everything you're yeah. saying checks out. But the one thing with Final Fantasy VII is it was this game with huge ambitions that the technology just wasn't there. And everyone yes. who played it knew the technology wasn't there like 100% of the way. Mm-hmm. And so this is one where it like really could give people a glimpse at like the game as like they imagined it was supposed to be or whatever. Um, and they've never had more successful characters to this day. Like, yeah. like all of the franchises after the one with lightning, like Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 15 did well, but also it was too convoluted to be a story that will like resonate as long as seven did. So I think they're like, I think they're desperate to like prove that they like still have lo- lovable characters. The thing about that, and I kind of disagree because every Final Fantasy seven spinoff or movie or whatever that's come out since the original game, I've liked less now for a variety of reasons, but really a lot of it is because blocky cloud strife with his awkwardly um yeah no we say his kind of like yeah. awkwardly uh what, localized localized oh. dialogue oh his dialogue uh the way it translated into my head was kind of a different story to what i'm now seeing what nomura and i guess sakaguchi at the time mm-hmm. envisioned it to be and that's why I think it's going to be disappointing for me because I don't know, even maybe I, I mean, when I played the game, I was like in fourth grade or something, but I never thought of cloud as like a kind of a coward. Hmm. I mean, he is, but I, I don't know. I just feel like the way that he's going to be brought to life with voice acting is it's just never going to match with my nostalgia. It's going to never going to match with anyone's nostalgia. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the death of the Final Fantasy franchise was when they incorporated voice acting because mm. I'm somebody who doesn't really like anime that much. There are select animes that I like, but in my brain, I would kind of play a Final Fantasy game and then translate it to kind of Western storytelling tropes that I'm kind of comfortable with and like. And then once I realized like, oh, no. Now that they can visualize it with full dialogue and cinematics, they just want to make anime. And I don't really like anime that much. So I feel like I just don't I don't want that. I don't want you to tell the story the way you wanted it because it's better in my head. You think they have more to lose than gain. (laughs) Potentially. Just just the the way that the the fever pitch and everything in culture right now is just so high and so nasty that I think they do have a lot to lose, unfortunately. Yeah. Especially, you know, like with the whole thing of cloud dressing up like a girl, you know, that's going to be that's going to be put under the microscope yeah. uh, on people on both sides of the culture war yes. and on and how it's going to be problematic. Like, uh. who the fuck needs that shit? <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to do like major rewrites, I feel like. Yeah. Like, but I don't then, know if we'll if see all those moments. Like, what's even going on anymore? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows what they're trying to do with it? Um, but is there any dying last bullet points that you have on this page? I got that- through most of it, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, Really, and I said this earlier, the saddest thing to me is that this just didn't help JRPG. Yeah. 
You're right. Uh, and the JRPG needs help. It's on life support. Yeah, I think the last thing to truly cement it was Persona 5. That's like the last true good JRPG. Um, and even that one is inaccessible due to its length. Um, that it's like, yeah, you're right. It's beginning to be a smaller and smaller fan base. Oh. Um, so I think what you need to do is, and you need, I think you just have to do a Battle Royale Final Fantasy game. I think, yeah. I think 100 well, clouds you, dropped into a... Do you think that the JRPG <laughs> hardcore fans are almost holding the genre hostage in a sense saying hmm. that a JRPG is this, and if you, and, and I imagine Square has this hardcore Japanese fan base, uh-huh. obviously, that they have to cater to, sure. and they're holding it hostage to the point where it can't be accessible to a global audience. It seems like a lack of interest to to sell to everyone, actually. It seems like a creative disinterest in being global. And like than more than like a yeah, fan base one. But, but I mean, they're businessmen. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. what, what I also think they why? have this problem of like, not understanding how to balance like shifts in general gaming desires with shifts in the JRPG, like stuff like the like hack and slash JRPGs like Final Fantasy 15 are kind of silly, or a lot of like the super cutscene heavy ones are kind of silly. But like the takeaway, like for instance, the reason they switched like hack and slash stuff is like they want games to be faster. But like the takeaway from a lot of modern games is that you can work exposition into the action of a game. Not that you need to, like, get rid of turn-based combat. Because, like, XCOM has great stuff going on using turn-based stuff or, like, Fire Emblem and shit like that. So I just think a lot of the JRPGs, like, haven't figured out. And it might be because of a core audience or just because of, like, a lack of adapting. But, like, they just haven't, like, figured out what parts to keep and what parts to leave behind. And they keep fucking it up. Well, it's definitely in dire straits after this game. Now, we're going to come. We're about to come to the end before a commercial break. I just want to mention the ending to this game. It's like Kingdom Hearts 2 ended on this really solid note. Like the, all, like the majority of the narratives had kind of summed up. Everyone was back together and back together and it ended on this like really positive note of all the just like friends being on the beach together. And now like this one ends in a similar fashion with like every character from every game on this goddamn beach now. It just shows there's how many too many characters there are. There's like 35 people on this beach and they're all happy. <laughs> and then it ends with like uh, Sora and his love interest, Kyrie on this tree. We don't know how they got there. Sora disappears and we cut to credits and it's just ambiguous and it doesn't make any sense. And it's like, I can't be left on this energy for another like six years. Like it's a, such a terrible moment to end on. Well, there is the DLC. Oh yes. Which was coming out very soon. Right. Very soon. And I, I, I mean, part <laughs> of me actually is wondering like, are the final fantasy characters going to be DLC? DLC. Ooh, but, yeah. God, but that would Ignis be such a fucking crime. And all those that would be a crime. I would be like, fuck you. You're holding hostage one of the very precious things about this that makes the franchise what it is, and you're making me pay for it? I mean, whatever. Well, okay, so it would be one thing if it was more Final Fantasy characters, but if there's zero and you're saying if you want them here, eh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're, we have a lot to think about. I'm very scared I for sh- the rating segment. I want to give one we'll quick note okay. about this game. Oh, this is a writing note for anyone who wants to write fantasy stuff in the future. You got to be able to tell your story without using proper nouns. Um, (laughs) That's like a major fucking rule to writing fantasy or science fiction is that your shit's explicable without being like, "Uh, yes, of course, it's the Zangahort and his friend Zimzam. It's like you have to to explain what's going on in regular words and the fucking game never does that. But your characters must also have names that start with X and that's just a rule, guys. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules. I just play them. Well, guys, we'll see you a little bit uh, after this commercial break where we get paid. We don't get paid. 
Griffin, have you ever thought about getting a sex doll? Uh, every time we record this podcast. Weird timing, but that's okay. But how much do you think you like? How much would you be willing to spend on a sex doll, realistically? Hmm. Uh, well, you know, in this day and age, I'm looking for it to be to be about the price of an Uber pool. You know, anywhere from three to seven dollars for like 15 minutes. You know, uh, and I expect my shoulders to be smushed up against someone else. Wow. It sounds like you have some kind of premonition about the thing I'm about to tell you about, which is a shared <laughs> sex doll. That's right. Griffin, suddenly, now, in a new-fashioned way, you can rent time with a sex doll using a special app called Subber. Um, because the doll's submissive and it sounds a little like Uber. Now, now, uh, Lux, I'm worried. Is this problematic in any way? Nope, because the doll's a doll and people are just trying to make <laughs> their paper. But be careful because it is gross. And guys, it's also, it's for, it, it, it is gross, but it's for everyone, you know. Uh, you can choose a, a, a guy's sex doll. You can choose a girl's sex doll. You can choose a non-binary one. Um, uh, you can, you can, you can get like, uh, uh, like the Uber, uh, what's the, like the limo version? Like Uber, like Uber. Uh, Uber XL, mm-hmm. and and that's like a that's like one that will like uh, like talk, uh, and and tell you uh, you're doing a great job, um, or you can you know you can get a shareable one you know you can uh, God as I describe this I don't want to be involved with this product. No, it's great, it's great, and it's good for everyone. And everyone's gonna love it, and nothing's gross about it. Anyways, use the promo code Game Boys for a ten percent discount today. Hello, Internet. Welcome back to the Game Boys podcast. My name is still Lux. Your host is still Griffin Davis. Your guest is still Jared Bauer. And we are still talking about Kingdom Hearts 3. But now we're at the part of the show where we rate that game, boys, girls and friends beyond the binary. So, Jared, you'll start us off because you are our guest. We're going to give a little recap of our thoughts and a final rating on a scale of one to five joysticks. All right. Recap of the thoughts. I think that the game is amiss in a variety of fashions. I think that it looks beautiful. I think that it's way too alienating to new fans. I think that the story is not nonsensical, but really abrasively nonsensical. And a lot of the Disney IP seemed like more of a barrier to the creators of the game more than an asset. And I don't really think a lot was built upon from the previous installment. So I'm going to give it uh, for nostalgia and good graphics and cool characters still. I'll give it a two out of five. Uh, Griff Dog, you want to go next? Solid rating. Uh, No, I'll, I'll go last. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> I'm about to make so, the greatest case of the century. So here's the, final here's the thing about this game. Um, it's in the, it's in a rare category, uh, called absolute fucking ass trash. <laughs> um, it's terrible. I don't recommend anyone plays it. It took 40 hours of my life away that I'll never get back. I enjoyed maybe three of them. Um, I missed cool things. I could have seen Lloyd Kaufman presenting the toxic Avenger, but I was busy playing fucking kingdom hearts three. Uh, and Bad like, decision. It's just like the nothing about it's creative or fun or cool. All of like the kind of like like the, the fun part about one and two was like seeing how they'd creatively make it so that like the Square Enix fits with the Disney stuff and with the original characters and blah, 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 blah. And there's none of that stuff happening here. Even the stuff that looks cool feels like cheap and dumb because there's like no emotion attached to it. because Everything's fucking bullshit. Like. This game, it throws me into a rage to even think about it. And this game's getting a, a big old vertical line one from your boy. Sick. Man, we haven't had a one uh, ever? I think, well, there was that one weird one Mason gave, but I don't know if I've ever given a one. But straight up, this game gets a one for me. It is, like, not fun at all. It's built out of order. Like, like you said, you can't start with all the powers. Like, it makes adventuring feel useless. Like, there's not a tangible difference in like strength when you change items and stuff. It doesn't like feel like anything matters. I got to be honest. If I didn't have mad love for square, I might also give it a one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, if you, I re-rate my games all the time after hearing yeah. other people's reviews. Um, okay, guys, this is the part in the courtroom drama scene where the lawyer is like about to lose. And he takes off his glasses and his jacket, and he speaks from the heart to the jury and turns this whole thing around. Can't wait to. Hear. Um, <laughs> uh, <sighs> this game, what it does right, it's got great spectacle. And there's parts of this game that if they took them and they added them to something greater, I think that there could be some cool achievements in here. But this game sets all Kingdom Hearts fans back. It like it like it it contextualizes the franchise in a bad way. And it's the new final statement on the series for God knows how long. Um, and it's frustrating. Uh, it, it sucks. Uh, like. It feels like all these characters that I care so much about, even though there's that's mainly nostalgia, like the, I, the stories aren't that deep in Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, but I care about these characters. The characters feel like strangers to me in this one. Like I barely even recognize them. Um, and just after after waiting this long, I don't know, it was just really, it was a bummer. And it's like one of those things where it's that deep, fear a few hours that sets in that it's just oh no something is just not the same um and so it kind of it kind of like ruined my childhood i'm kidding uh, but <laughs> oh no this is a real ghostbusters with girls huh it's tough yeah hopefully jason reitman hands it back to the fans soon did you see that tweet yeah no, oh no. god <laughs> Jason Reitman was like, I'm handing Ghostbusters back to the fans. Oh, okay. Like, it's just like, oh, okay, thank you. I thought you were he said something about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he canceled the Ghostbusters world. Um, but overall, it's a huge disappointment. And it's just, it's, I can't, I can't convince anyone it's not. Like, there's no way out of this. So I'm going to give it a 1.5 out of 5. Damn, I give the highest score out of you guys. I give it the highest score. It's just devastating. Let me ask you something. Did you, when you saw the trailers, were you skeptical or were you jazzed? Uh, there was a there was a fear because the trailers were really bad. Yeah, uh, but I was just like, well, that's just like out of context, like within right. within the story, or like maybe just like half baked advertisement. And then there was like mm -hmm. one no, final you trailer you got really hype about. Yeah, then there was one final trailer that was really sick. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like you know this exact experience because because Thea was so excited, you yeah. know. And did you just see like a light in her die? Like at, at the end of this, well, I hadn't played the first two as recently as she had. And to your point, she was constantly telling me, "I promise you, the dialogue was not this bad in yeah. the last two. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. I like you, she was like, "This makes the last two games look like shit," and they're not. Yeah, it's the it's the backflip syndrome, guys. When you're doing a backflip, make sure people are looking. Um, but. That takes us uh, well, before, away. I didn't cry. Can you confirm I didn't cry? You didn't. Confirmed. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, we have a couple <laughs> questions about the game because Griffin posted about this. So I want to go through a couple of them really fast before we move on to the next thing. So the first question for everyone, Alison Lowenberg, friend of the pod, asks us, who's objectively the most fuckable character in Kingdom Hearts 3? <laughs> um, I have an answer. Okay. Obviously, I have an answer, but <laughs> I don't know what you guys think. Uh, I think it's... Uh, how old are these characters? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. That's always, yeah, that's always a problem. They're well, the answer, 16. the answer is like Axel or Ansem because they look like adults. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, yeah. I was okay. definitely gonna pick someone like Axel or like one of the weird lab assistants. But also, it's uh, it's Meg from Hercules. Um, is that <laughs> is the truth? Okay, the next one uh, is uh, yeah, actually the rest of these are sort of dumb. 
Sorry. Yep. Um, that one was good. <laughs> yep, so thanks, Allison. Bad. But this episode's got long enough, so we can get right to our segments. Okay, well, that's it. That's all I'll show you way into everyone's favorite segment, Taylor Out of Segments. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for the segment segment. This is the part where Griffin and I do some quick segments with our guest. Griffin, what's your segment this week? Oh, we're doing a new segment, guys. That's right. Uh, it's a little video game news segment called Toxic or Toxic. I'm going to tell you guys <laughs> video game news articles, and you're going to tell me if they're toxic, like bad toxic, or toxic, like the Britney Spears song, Toxic, like a video game news story that slaps. Cool. Okay. So, video game news story number one, Reggie Philome resigns from Nintendo. Toxic or toxic? Oh, the sad one. Toxic. R.I.P. Reggie, man. Yeah, man. R.I.P. Yeah. Reggie. R.I.P. Reggie. Sure. That's an easy one. Okay. Hey, Reggie's number, the story number two. Fortnite has just released a new area on the map called Weezer Island. When you walk onto the island, it plays Weezer songs. Toxic or toxic? I mean, bad, huh. the horrible, the worst one. I don't play <laughs> Fortnite, so I can't really say if this is a step up or down for them. It's, 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 a, it's a crazy terrible. sidestep because no one that plays Fortnite knows what Weezer is. Okay. <laughs> then I would say toxic. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. Story number three. Uh, the graphics in Anthem are so good, it has started crashing and then even bricking PS4s. Oh. That's toxic. Oh, for, yeah. me that's, for me, that's good toxic. That's hilarious. That's I don't hilarious. know. I mean, if the that's fucking hilarious to me. Gra graphics can never be a higher priority than gameplay in my book. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's Detective for sure true. It's just very funny that they fucked up so badly. Uh, Detective Pikachu uses light profanity a la PG-13 Deadpool in his new film. Wow. That's Britney Spears toxic. Who is the movie for? <laughs> I mean, maybe just me. Uh, everyone, I mean, I, I don't really know a lot of children, but all the adults that I know are like so stoked for that movie. So I'm going to say toxic. <laughs> yeah, okay, nice. I'll give that positive toxic. <laughs> and finally, this might be a freebie. Director of Kingdom Hearts, Tetsu Nomura, says deal see that expands the story is on its way but unsure of the length of the development cycle. Toxic. 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 <laughs> that's like, actually, that's right. like third option, shoot me in the dick with a high-powered rifle. Honestly, yeah. is yeah. what that one is. And that was Toxic or Toxic. That was a very good one. We're going to continue pitching the past this week. Time for that segment, Pitching the Past. And this one might be problematic. So Haley, be prepared to cut it. But you guys are going to pitch Walt Disney, notorious hater of Jews and the Japanese um, on playing Kingdom Hearts 3. But also inventor of the hidden Mickeys. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, well, give it to me, guys. Why should I, notorious Jew hater and racist uh, Walt Disney, play Kingdom Hearts 3? Hmm. And remember, I really don't like Japanese people. All right. Oh, my God. All right, Walt. So, look, you need a way to get more Asian people in your theme parks. Do so I really do? do? Yes, you do. Because that's how you make all your money for your giant corporation is by selling backpacks and getting people into those theme parks. So here's what I got for you. I got a video game called Kingdom Hearts, where basically your IP is set center stage and all the other kind of Asian culture stuff is just kind of accoutrements around it. Mm -hmm. And it lets all the Asian people know about your IP and buy those tickets to go to Disneyland and it's like opening up a sushi store in a mall. That's right. So you should play this game because it's going to make you rich. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. That does appeal yeah, to yeah. my horrible rich person racism. I'm now, into it. Now, 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 Walt, we know that you struggle with being rich and you need to be richer. So yeah, this game will definitely help you financially. Um, but uh, great. Also, I need to find, fund my anti-Semitic supercomputer. 
it's it's but it also Kingdom Hearts fundamentally is uh, is the is the kind of it's like the heart of what your company's doing right now. While it's all about crossover, it's all about what if fucking Wolverine high fived um, Goofy, you know? Like uh, it's it's all about crossover. It's all about Avengers and Infinity Wars and just like putting every character in every movie till the end of time. Um, and Kingdom I've Hearts never is kind read of a genesis book. of that. They were invented by Jews. You fucking moron. <laughs> um, um, yeah, no, that makes sense. I could use the money. I am extremely evil. Uh, last but not least, Walt, um, your soul is obviously split. You know, uh, I feel like uh, there's like a nobody and a heartless version of Walt Disney out there somewhere. Uh, my um, heartless version where my heart is and my nobody where my body is. Yeah. And that's really clear to everyone. And I think this game will, will help you kind of like combine your forms uh, and finally unlock Kingdom Hearts. Oh, that is truly my deepest desire. Me, Walt <laughs> Disney. <laughs> Um, well, this has been a fucking awesome episode. Um, Jared, you've been an amazing guest as per usual. Where can oh, the folks you. out there find more stuff from you, I guess? Just check out the Wisecrack YouTube channel, the Wisecrack podcast, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Yeah, Wisecrack is is awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly like, like it's now in my YouTube algorithm. Mm. Which is which? All it takes is watching one. Thank but, you, Google. <laughs> but but yeah, it's great. I'm starting to get addicted to them. Uh, definitely, if you guys like anime, check out the Attack on Titan ones. They're really awesome, and they talk a lot about the like the philosophy behind that game. But they also do like a lot of other great pop culture shit. Uh, and they're actually guys. I'm sorry, but it's fun to learn. Okay, and <laughs> I laughed. I learned. I lived. I loved. Here's what I'm plugging because you guys took care of Wisecrack. Um, Party World Wrestling. We're still a couple thousand dollars short of our Indiegogo goal which usually we are at this point, but usually takes care of itself, but I guess we're more short than usual. I don't really know how this works. But the point is, if you can, go to igg.me slash at slash bash the titans and donate there and check out the Facebook to see what we're all about because it's fucking really cool. And if you are not doing anything or you want to cancel your plans for 7 o'clock Central Time on Saturday, we'll be streaming slash doing our next live show, Bash of the Titans, which Jared did voiceover for the teaser for. Um, oh yeah, they'd be streaming. They'd be streaming. Yeah. And thank you to the team guys here at Wisecrack. Thanks to Emily yeah. out there on the board. Thank you, Emily. Thanks to Emily and Joy thank- for helping set us for set us up with all this. Um, and this remember to like follow a big boy uh, Game Boys Pod on Instagram, where we're both posting now. I'm posting about Magic the Gathering mostly, and Griffin has a real life. <laughs> and with that, remember to also rate and review the podcast on iTunes. We had a big. Big jump in listenership the past couple weeks, which is fucking awesome, and a bunch of new reviews. And if you guys keep posting reviews and posting ratings, we will continue to get more listeners and we will keep growing this dumb thing that we do. Today's review comes from M. Harbar, who says, left, right, left, right, B.A. start. Five stars. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, That is the flying card sheet in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Ah, there you are. Um, Well, everyone, it's been great. And we are done here. I am Lux. I am your host, your host, Griffin Davis. Your guest was Jared Bauer. Your editor was Haley Clement. Your introduction music by Matthew Morton. And your art is by Brittany Metz. Goodbye, Internet. We love you very much. Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> <laughs>